The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Father, we thank you for your kindness towards us. Lord, we ask that you open the floodgates of heaven and breathe upon us today. Everyone in this place, everything that God has marked for you for this year, you will receive them. None shall elude you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we, we can never thank you enough. Honor and glory we give unto you, Lord. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' amazing name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Um, today, as you know, we are starting a um, new series, Money, Sex, and Power. Uh, money, sex, and power. I need you to fasten your seatbelt <clears throat> because it's going to get very interesting. <clears throat> now, before we get into um, the word for today, um, we went on the streets and we had some video interviews. And um, so, want to show us those interviews and what people had to say. Actually, money says power sounds uh, very attractive. When you say money, everybody loves money, everybody wants to have money. But when you say power, uh, we pursue power with what we have and what, uh, who we are. And uh, sex is a... Uh, is a <laughs> what comes to my mind is that those three words are very powerful words. They are the words that is breaking Nigeria of today. God owns power, because nobody has power over me. I said God owns, as God has the power over me. So, money, we love money. <laughs> and sex, people cannot do without it. Money, power, sex, they're interwoven. Because without money, no sex. <laughs> Even though you have a wife, you must have the money to take care of her. She must look good, she must um, be taken care of. So money, will make her happy because once you don't have the money, she look at the foolish man. What do you mean? You want to have my body and you don't have money. So with money, you have power. You have authority. You have command. You have control <laughs> over sex, over people. Money, money is good. Everybody wants to have money. And um, some people go the extra mile to get money, whichever way, the good, the bad, just to have money, you know. And then these days, it's more like a competition, like, oh, who has more money? Like, everybody wants to show off and stuff. And some people would just do anything to fit in, you know, like, get the money anyway, anyhow. Some people don't even have the money, sir. They just borrow, 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 just to show up, and at the end of the day, they are just lost. They can't find their bearing. 
then sex. Ah, sex. Oh, this day sex doesn't really have meaning anymore. I mean, then to money. Some people just do sex for the, for money, you know. Power is good. It's really, 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 really good, you know. Everybody wants to have power. But I think um, money comes with power. I think when you have a certain amount of money, you automatically have power. Yeah, so I think they are all kind of like together. One thing that I believe is that when you have money, you can also have the power. When you have the money, you can also have the power. But when you have power, you don't have money to back it, it's nothing on my own side. Um, sex, I just look into sex, is something you spend money into. Because there is no free, especially in Lagos. Money controls the world. So, so many people, because of the money they have, they do nasty things. Like they say that money talks and bullshit works. So when, you talk, when we talk about money, sex and power, it all goes together. But people that really have the money, take advantage of people that don't have the money, you understand? Like the rich people who want to take advantage of we the less privileged. So I think it's a, um, money dominates all. Most of the time, it's always the negative aspects that takes more advantage. But we should always keep in mind that something good can always come out. We just have to channel everything to God, our Creator, and everything will work out perfectly. Amen. <coughs> Sex? <coughs> and the guy choked up. <laughs> I mean, it's interesting to see how people actually, you know, think, you know, about these things. But we are going to dive straight in. Um, we are opening our Bibles into two openings, Genesis chapter 3, 1 to 12, then 1 John chapter 2. 15 to 17. Genesis 3, 1 to 12. Since the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the devil replied. The serpent replied, rather, to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it. And you will be like God. Knowing both good and evil, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious. And she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together 
to cover themselves. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked, have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? Then the man replied, it was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit and I ate it. And there began the problem of mankind. It was it the woman. <laughs> I'm joking, guys. Women are fantastic. <laughs> well, that's what, they, that was, that's what Adam said. The woman that you gave me. Now, First John chapter 2, 15 to 17. God is saying here, do not love the world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only the craving of physical pleasure. The craving, the tree was good and delicious. The craving of everything we see, the, good, the fruit was good to look upon. And the pride of our achievements and possession. It makes you wise. It makes you stand out. These are not from the Father. Amazing. But from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does the will of God, who does what pleases God, will live forever. The Lord bless the reading and the understanding of his words in Jesus' name. We see in this passage of scripture, the cravings of the things we see, the loss of the eyes, the craving of how delicious it will be, the loss of the flesh, the craving on how wise and, and how distinct we will be, the pride of life. And when you look at the loss of the eyes, the loss of the eyes, the craving of what we see is fulfilled by, by, by money. We want to acquire what we see. So we have money. The craving of how delicious the fruit is, it's actually that deals with all our appetites. But one of the strongest appetites you have is sexual appetite. So we have sex. And the, the, the pride of life, the... the the craving of the wisdom that it gives, then we have power. But today, we will be starting with money. These three things represent the, the, the same traps that the enemy has used from Genesis till today in making us fall short 
of all God has for us, but it will fail concerning you and I in Jesus' name. Everyone, you know, I, I was explaining that at the SHOP um, session at the prayer meeting, the Sweet House Prayer, and we're praying against kryptonite. And the truth is that if you, if you know the story of super, super Spider-Man, Superman, the story of Superman, it came from Krypton, and that's the um, storyline. And when the enemy of Superman wants to weaken Superman and bind him, he brings a rock, sometimes it's green, sometimes it's blue, from Krypton, and as soon as he brings that rock, Superman becomes a jelly. Everyone has a kryptonite. And should I tell you even how I, I didn't hear that word kryptonite from the Superman movies. I didn't. Interestingly, I've, I've watched those movies. I never got it. At least that part. One day, I met someone and, and, and I said to the Lord, Lord, who is this person? And the Lord says to me, she's kryptonite. I'm like, crypto? I, I kid you not. So I Google. And I, that's when I now read this Superman story. I said, oh, is that rock they brought, brings to wicked Superman? I ran away. You run from cryptonite. <laughs> now, for some of us, you know, if you get this, your life will be so amazingly sweet. And I pray you get it. For some of us, the kryptonite is money. For some of us, the kryptonite is sex. Money. You don't worry about money. You don't even have money. You are living in face me and face you. It's not your problem, but you have slept with all your neighbor's wives. For some of us, if it's not really money, it's not sex, it's arrogance, it's pride. Have you seen a poor and proud man before? I've seen. Very poor. The guy has nothing. And he's so arrogant. But if the devil is on your case in a special way, you have two of it. If he's on your case in a very special way, you have... Regardless of what it is, Jesus will set you free today. I tell you, it's possible to walk with God and be free. I can tell you because by the grace of God, I'm free. <laughs> I can tell you. It's possible if you will listen. If I had not listened to the Holy Spirit, when I shook hands with her, I said to the Lord, who is this person? And the Lord says, Kryptonite. I've never heard that word before. Never. Not once. Okay, obviously I must have heard it, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't, it didn't, read. I didn't even know that word existed. My point is this. Your future is great. The future of your children are great and it depends on you. The future of your marriage and your, and your, is great. The future, your life, you have a great destiny and it will not be destroyed by the kryptonite. In the mighty name of Jesus. So when we take the things we are not supposed to have, we become subject to the things that God has put beneath us. 
There are things we should rule over, but when we take the things and we touch the things that we are not supposed to have, when you touch the things you are not supposed to have, you become a slave to the things you should be ruling over. Today, you'll be free. We'll start with money, like I said. There was this story about eight guys. They've just finished their round of golf and they were in the clubhouse and they were talking and the phone rang on the table and when the phone rang all of them looked at themselves the phone kept ringing then one of them stretched forth his hands and answered the call and put it on speaker and there was a woman on the other side and the woman says oh hello baby and the guy says hi and the woman says oh you forgot your Credit card in the car. And the guy says, okay. And the woman says, why are you sounding like that? Did you lose your game of golf? Did they trash you today? And the guy kept quiet. And the woman says, well, by the way, I saw this bag. Oh, my goodness. You will not believe it. This bag is this and that, and it's on sale. And this is a special price. And this special price is 150000 naira." If I don't buy it now, it will go back up. Can I buy it? The guy says, okay. He says, oh, you're a darling. So just beside this bag is this beautiful dress. That dress is about 200,000 naira. And guess what? You won't believe it's on sale. And the guy says, okay. He says, oh, I can't believe this. Today must be Christmas. There's a shoe beside the dress. And the shoe is just 80K. And this is an opportunity I don't want to miss. It's on sale. The guy says, okay. And the woman says, oh, you are the best. Bye. Cut the line. All the guys look at this guy with envy. And the guy says, whose phone is it? He's gone, he's authorized transactions. <laughs> the truth is that money is neutral. Some of you are saying, what's, what's the joke? At tribe, when you come at tribe, you get it. <laughs> money is neutral. Money is just an amplifier. It's a neutral amplifier. Money doesn't really make you bad or good. Money just shows if you are bad or good. Money is an amplifier. It's like if, you, if, you, if we give you this mic and, and we ask you to sing, this mic is connected to an amplifier and you begin to sing and you have a bad voice, what will happen? The bad voice will fill the room. If you like, cuss the microphone. It's not the mic, it's your voice. Fix it. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus talked more about money than he talked about love. Amazingly. God is love. Jesus, in fact, the first time I heard that statement, I, it didn't sit well with me. I had to research myself. And I found that it was true. Jesus spoke more about money, more than he spoke about faith, more than he spoke about holiness. Jesus spoke more about money, more than he spoke about heaven and hell combined. So this thing called money must be so important. You know why? One of the reasons I thought, I think it is so important is because of what Jesus says, that wherever your treasure is, 
then your heart will be. If I need you to get to heaven, all I need to do is send your money to heaven. You will get there. That's what Jesus is saying. If you want to, if you want to, go, to go to hell, just keep spending your money on. That's what Jesus is saying. Your checkbook can tell us the direction where you're going to spend eternity. Praise the name of the Lord. So Jesus had a lot to say about money and we are going to share three of them. Number one, a lot to say. In fact, 11 out of the 39 parables of Jesus were about money. But we just take three of them and we're done. Number one, Jesus tells us that it is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to what? To give than to receive. Acts 20, 35. And I have been a constant example of how you should help those in need by working hard. You should remember the words of the Lord. It is more blessed to give than to receive. And Jesus turns a lot of things on their head. Simple economics or mathematics tells us that if you have 200K and somebody has zero naira and you give the person out of your good heart 50K, math tells us the person increases by 50,000. Is that correct? And you reduce by 50,000. But Jesus says, no, math is wrong. When somebody is in need, you have 200K and you give him 50K, he has increased by 50K, but Jesus says that you have increased by much more than 50K. So, so the hand that gives never goes dry. The reason the enemy wants you to be stingy is because the enemy wants you to be poor. You have to develop a giving mentality. As a church, we give. By the grace of God, we, we, we give to different things. We are building a school, we are supporting communities, we, are, we give to churches, we give to churches around the world, we give to churches in, in, in <laughs> different places. Why? Because that is who we are. We are generous. And we, dis- we deliberately decide to be generous. You see, because we, we have a program, everything, everything for 50, E for 50. You remember that program? We, it's starting again, I mean, this December, you know. And, and folks says to me, oh, pastor, oh, not, not a lot of people, but some people, uh, they, all these beautiful things, you mean we're just going to give them out to the community? You know, pastor, we, I, I need this shirt. I mean, maybe we should start. Charity begins at home. Let us even sell it amongst ourselves first. And I say, I laugh. That is the spirit of poverty. Talking. It is. You are not thinking that this is an opportunity for me to give and be blessed. Because it is more blessed to than to you are thinking, oh, this is an opportunity for me. So, so people even try to steal. I, I kid you not. Those things. Do you want to die in poverty? 
And a guy has a shirt on. He said, no, pastor, you know, I, maybe I need a shirt from there. I said, how many shirts do you have? He says, he says, three. I says, I think you should give one. Why? Because it will remain three. In fact, it will, it will become two and one eventually if you keep holding on to it. I can tell you this of a fact. I can take it to the bank. You cannot fast and pray only into financial abundance. It doesn't work like that. You have to give your way to financial abundance. That's how it works. How do I know? That's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. That's what I've done. I, gave, I broke the back of poverty. Listen, in my life. Literally. <laughs> By giving and giving. And in fact, there was a time as if you, I've given everything. I will look for something else to give. What is left to give? I give and give. Look, don't deceive yourself. That is, some things just work by principle. That's how it works. Someone like me, I mean, I'm not, I don't consider myself a very sharp person. All I do is, this is how it works. I'm going to do it. Oh, prayer works. I'm going to pray, eh? Oh, giving, it works. I tried, it works. You will not give me. Impossible. <laughs> What's my point? You cannot say, oh, there's full scarcity. So you will fill your tank with water. And you will drive your car. What will happen to that car? You can't say because there's full scarcity and you will fill your tank with water. It is more blessed to give than to receive. You have to change your thinking. You have to give your way out of that tight place. That's how it works. That's just how it works. I can tell you stories on stories on stories of my, my life. Where, <laughs> where I gave and I had to give and I had to keep giving. Maybe I should tell you one. I was in university. I just embraced this principle. I just gave my life to Jesus, my final year. And I, I saw this principle, I embraced it, you know, and I was giving and giving, and I, I usually would come to church and I would say to God, you know, what do you want me to give, you know, and all that stuff, you know. So this time I just collected my allowance, you know, and I was in church. It was a midweek service, Newcastle Hotel at San Tony. I can never forget. And I said to the Lord, what do you want me to give? I said, no, 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 not that one. No, 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 no. Not, not my allowance for the time. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. But I knew that God wanted to stretch me. So I gave it. Now, when I gave it, I figured out how God would make it work. Somebody will come because that was all I had. That means I, I, I was not going to get home. Right? I need a ride, right? To get home. Somebody will give me a ride because I have sown, right? Then after that, somebody will just give me money. Then after that, I will have abundance of money, right? That was a good way. So after service that day, I was shaking everybody with a big smile. <laughs> Nobody gave me shishi. <laughs> Even the people that would have offered to give me a ride, everybody drove off. I was like, What? Is this happening? Yes, it was. I walked from Antony to Ketu. And it was raining. 
But strangely, I was filled with joy. I, I sang all the way. I still kept giving. One day I was in the house. They came to knock on my door. Oh, we heard, I mean, it's totally strange. We hear you write software. I said, yes, I do. Um, there's this accounting firm that needs to write a reconciliation software. You, can you do it? I said, piece of cake. He says, oh, how much are you going to charge? Then, no. I said, 150,000. That was a lot of money back then. They said, just that, can you do it? So we'll give you 100,000 now. They gave me cash, 100,000. I wrote the software. Boom. My mind went back to that sacrifice. What's my point? Keep praying. Keep fasting. Yes, please, keep fasting. But you have to give. It is more blessed to what? Than to the words of Jesus. The second thing we're going to look at about what, the, what Jesus tells us about, about money is that it's similar but it's different. Jesus says to us, don't be greedy. Jesus says, don't be greedy. In Luke chapter 12, verse 15, Luke 12, 15, he says, then he said, beware, guard your heart against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you have. Your life does not consist of the abundance of the things that you possess. Life is not measured by how much you have. Greed is like a termite that lives within us and eats away our ability to be generous. Greed consumes our ability to be generous. It's like a termite. If you look at that scripture again, it says, beware of every kind of greed. When I was preparing for this, I saw that I was like, every kind? If Jesus says every kind of greed, that means that there are different types of kinds of greed. So I did some digging in and, and I discovered at least seven different types of greed. I'm going to share four of them. The first type of greed is hoarding. Hoarding. And hoarding, hoarding preys on the diligent and the prudent. This is how it works. You are diligent, you are prudent, you know how to save, you know how to you know, put things away as good as that is. You are susceptible to greed, the greed of hoarding. Hoarders are insecure about the future. Hoarders, God cannot say to them, everything in your pocket, he says, ah, how will I get home? No, 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 no. You need to provide me transport first. When I see the transport, then I will give. That's the language of the order. When, 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 you, when this is secure first, then I will give. For the just shall live by my faith. Hoarding cripples your faith. It cripples your faith. The hoarder, his willingness to trust money rather than God with his future drives him to ignore the needs around him. God can't touch that. That's the first type of greed. The second type of greed is overspending. Overspending. This type preys on the impatient. Overspending preys on the impatient. The overspender confuses needs with wants. The overspender has a nice to have and says it is a must have. An overspender looks at something that is a want and 
qualifies it as a need and convinces him or herself that this is a need until they grow broke. An overspender doesn't have margin. Overspending erodes your margin. You have a breakthrough. Then you travel to Kafanchan, you travel to Tokyo, you travel to Japan, you go to Disney Island, you, 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 then you are back to zero. Then you are saying, Pastor, when is the next God will service? You are looking for breakthrough. <laughs> then God does it. You know, guess what the overspender does again? It's greed. The type of greed. The, the, the third type of greed is, is comparison. This type of greed preys on the competitive. The, the comparison preys on the competitive. It drives you to spend and keep on spending as a way to show that you are able. The, your neighbor has a car. You have to buy that car even though you go into debt. Your neighbor has a new shirt. You have to have that shirt even though you, don't, you can't afford it. Your neighbor has a new bag. Oh, if you see that bag, you are sleeping. The bag is just flashing in your eyes and flashing in your eyes. And you, I mean, that's all you are seeing. The overspender, the comparison guy, says something like, what do you know the career last? Have you heard that before? Oh, we can't, they can't outdo me in this Lagos. Ah, in this Lagos, they will take. Excuse me. They will take what? <laughs> it's an express road to poverty. The fourth type of greed is entitlement. Entitlement. And, and this, the sense that someone else owes you something, the sense that someone else owes you something, the entitled person believes this lie, I don't have money, so somebody should give me. Or rather, somebody must give me. Excuse me, nobody must give you anything. The entitled person. Now, I, I was sharing the first worship experience yesterday that, you know, as a pastor by God's grace, I mean, 10 years plus now, and, 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 and going... You know, I've, I've, I've seen a common trend. It is, it is, it is um, you know, when you go to a doctor, they look for symptoms and give them clues. They ask, well, how is this? There, there's this symptom. It's a common trend that points to the spirit of poverty. Listen, it is the spirit of entitlement. Everyone that has the spirit of entitlement goes poor. Everybody. That feels that, oh, I mean, this thing, I sh- I'm entitled to it. Oh, I mean, someone comes to me and says, oh, pastor, um, I'm leaving that church. Oh, I'm joining God's favorite house. I said, really? I said, why? Oh, there's no love in that church. You know, now I don't bother anymore. I don't bother. There's no, I mean, I don't, I don't have the time. When I used to have the time, I will engage them. And I will say, eh, there's no love in that church. Hey, there's no love in that church. Nobody comes to visit me. And I ask them, how many people did you visit? They say, but, but nobody came to visit me. How many people did you visit? Oh, no, but when I did my baby dedication, nobody gave me a gift. There have been about 50 baby dedications in that church. How many people did you give gifts? The entitled 
feel. People hold them. So says, oh, pastor, in that department, there's no love in that department. Oh, there's partiality in that department. I'm like, really? When I used to have the time. No, uh, I just say, okay, and I just go. I said, really? He said, yes. So what happened? He says, ah, you won't believe it. When, when there's birthday party, the leader will buy cake for the person doing the birthday. I said, okay. Then after a while, the leader felt, okay, we should add gifts to this cake, right? Because the leader wanted to be more generous. So the next person's birthday, they bought a cake and a gift. And she goes, in my own time, when I was doing my own birthday, nobody gave it by me gift. There's partiality. I said, excuse me. How many people did you buy gift to? It is the spirit of poverty and it will be far from your tabernacle. Yeah. In the mighty name of Jesus. Number three. Okay. Okay. I said I was, I was going to share four types. I'm not giving you seven of the types of um, greed. But the third thing Jesus said about money. <laughs> are, we, are we on course? The, the third thing Jesus said about money is this. How you relate with money shows us the God that you serve. How you relate with money shows us the God that you serve. <clears throat> Matthew 6.24 No one can serve two masters for you will hate one or love the other. You will be devoted to one or despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. The word money there actually means mammon. It, it, it's not money per se. It, it is the spirit of material possession. That's what mammon is. It's the spirit of material possession. You cannot serve God and mammon. There's this true life story that I um, heard about. Of a man, and in his house, they have this long couch, and the children, daddy lies on the couch, mommy comes to join daddy lying on the couch, the children comes and jumps on daddy and mommy, so that couch was like a family rendezvous, if you will, and oh, daddy comes back from work, he sees his son and daughter jumping on the couch, he throws down his briefcase and joins the party, you know, everybody, they are wrestling on the couch, I mean, that couch was just the magnet, then daddy got promoted and got excess money. Then daddy changed all the furniture in the house to pristine leather. Then daddy gave a law. Thou shalt not sit upon this chair. The day thou sitteth upon it, thou shalt surely die. <laughs> so, so the chair that used to be such fun that brings the family together now became a thing that kept the family apart. After a while, and there was a lot of tension, a lot of stress, after a while, this, the boy and the girl, they had a meeting and they decided to confront their dad. True life story. I said, Dad, 
let's have a chat. You know, when your son, a 10-year-old boy, says, Dad, let's have a chat, you know you're in trouble. <laughs> and, and the boy says, Dad, do we own this couch, this couch or does this couch own us? And the dad was furious, wanted to bully the boy. What do you mean? And looked at the daughter, are you with him on this matter? The daughter said, we just want our old couch. <laughs> we don't care about your leather. We want our old couch. But the truth is that, was it the couch they really want? They wanted that Fellowship they had with their father and their mother. That, that, that communion. But money had come and separated and money had owned them, had, had owned the family. And that, that's what Jesus is trying to say to us. You cannot when it relates to God. So how do you know when money has turned into mammon? How do you know? You know when money has turned into mammon when you love money and you use God. You really don't want to obey God, but you want your prayers answered. You really don't want to follow God's instructions, but you want the breakthroughs. You know money has become mammon in your heart when you love money and you try to use God. At God's favorite house, we love God and we use money. Praise the Lord. How do you know when money has turned to mammon? You know when money has turned to mammon when you love money and you use people. You just use people. God's favorite house, we love people and we use money. In fact, we love people, we use money, and we use money to love people. You know money has turned to mammon when money owns you. There's a video, I've shown that video before, and, and um, we're going to show it now, to show you when money turned into mammon. Greed consumes you. How many people actually thought when he has taken like two, three bundles, they should have stopped? You are also greedy. <laughs> he shouldn't have taken anything. <laughs> so, but Pastor, one or two is okay. That is, you see, that is usually the, 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 the trap of greed. That's the trap of mammon. He says, it's okay. And it's the same thing with sex. It's the same thing with, with power. He says, it's okay. You know, just sleep with him. Or just, you know, guys, you just, just do this stuff. And until it cages you. And you become a slave, locked in the safe. Jesus will set you free. You know when money has become mammon, when it owns you. When it owns you. Because it doesn't matter what you own. The only thing that matters is who owns you. Who owns you. So, and whoever owns you determines how you behave. Whoever owns you determines your 
attitude. How do you know money has turned to mammon? When money determines your behavior. When you have money, you behave like a rascal. When you don't have money, you, you turn your house upside down. When you, when your money barometer, your wife can tell how you will behave. When you have money, it's a proof that money has become mammon. You are supposed to be a child of God independent of the fact that you have money because you know who owns you. Because you know that God has given you everything that has to do with life and godliness. So it's not money that will determine the quality of your life. It's God. And God says, okay. And God says, if you seek him, money will not be an issue. So it doesn't matter what you own or you don't own. The only thing that matters is who owns you. So who owns you? That's the question, my brother, my sister. Who owns you? Let's bow down our hearts. Let's bow down our heads. Let's think about these things. And some of us, we need to begin to wrestle even right now and, and just surrender. Say, Lord, I, I see my wrong. I see where I've been trapped. I see where I've been tricked. Lord, talk to God. You may be here and you're saying, Pastor, but I don't even belong to God. God doesn't own me. Can you pray with me that God will own me? Or you used to say, or you, or you can say, I used to be owned by God. God used to own me, but God does not own me anymore. I know I've gone away from God. I've, I've backslidden. I have tasted the apple. I'm at variance. It really doesn't matter who you are if you will humble your heart and you surrender your life. I don't need you to come forward wherever you are seated. You're saying, Pastor, pray with me wherever I'm seated. Put up your hands now. God bless you. Over your head. Put it up. God bless you. I put up your hand, put it up well. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. Over there, God bless you. Keep the hands up. God bless you over there, my brother. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother. That is me, Lord. That is me, Pastor. God bless you, my sister. I have been owned. You can put out your hand. So very quickly, I need to pray for another set of people. You are here, you are saying, Pastor, I'm, I'm saved. I know God has owned me, but this truth, I've, I'm sliding, Lord. I'm, I'm sliding. I can see I'm slipping away. Thank you for this word. Can you pray with me that I'll be turned in back? Put up your two hands. You don't need to give them cards. I want to pray with you. Your two hands. God bless you. As a sign of surrender. Give my life away. Oh, your two hands to heaven. Thank you. Keep the two hands up. Give my life away so you can you. I give my life away. Father, we pray your deliverance over you this once. We pray your deliverance. We pray your, your total deliverance. Lord, breathe. 
upon these ones. Change these lives. Everyone that is coming to you, Jesus. Have your way, Jesus. Jesus.